Hello, and welcome to the Responsive Family Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hawley, holistic sleep coach, lactation consultant, peaceful parenting educator, and mom. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by all the conflicting sleep info, frustrated with sleep information that just plain felt wrong, or searched desperately for a truly gentle and responsive sleep approach, then you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll be answering your most pressing baby and toddler sleep questions, busting those sleep myths, and helping you understand truly developmental, biologically normal baby and toddler sleep, plus encouraging you to trust your intuition along the way. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited. I'm actually having my first guest on the podcast and you guys are going to love what she has to say. So today we are talking about your brain, the parental brain and what it needs to thrive. And I have my friend and colleague Rocio here to share with us her expertise. Rocio, would you love to tell us a little bit about you and the sleep and parental brain work that you do? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Kim. I didn't know I was your first. <laughs> I, I, yes, absolutely. I was so excited. You're the first person I thought about. Oh, so awesome. So hello, I'm Rocio. I'm, sleep, I'm a sleep specialist like Kim. We actually met um, in one of our courses that we were doing in one of our certifications. But I'm also a neuroscientist. And so from that perspective, that's how I got interested in the parental brain. Well, initially, I was really interested in like neuroplasticity in general. But then I became a mom and I was like, oh, neuroplasticity and the parental brain. Because when we become mothers or fathers or caregivers, like we, our brain becomes very, very plastic. And so I started becoming really interested. And so I started to review the literature and then I decided, oh, this is something I want to like share with people. So now I also, besides uh, supporting families with uh, sleep, I also educate them about their parental brain and I also support professionals about it so that they can use this information in their practice as well. Yeah, I love it. You are actually the person who introduced me to all of this knowledge and I, I love it. I think it's so transformative. So tell us what happens to the brain when you become a parent? What's happening with all that uh, neuroplasticity and what's going on? Yeah. So, you know, neuroplasticity is our ab- ability to learn, like the, the brain changes as we learn, it rewires. So that's the capacity we have for life. But when we become parents, it's like it becomes more, like it's more plastic, our brains. is the most plasticity that you are gonna get in your adult life like your brain is very plastic when you're an infant then again in adolescence and then when you become a parent and so what happens is that it becomes very plastic and so the brain start is is getting ready to learn and what i always say so what is it that it has to learn well to take care of somebody else this somebody else is helpless cannot talk you know it needs us 24 seven. And so we need to learn. And so our brain becomes like this sponge almost that is ready for, 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 for this journey. Yeah. It's fascinating being pregnant. That's part of how your body preps for those changes, right? Those hormonal uh, shifts are, are cueing your body. Yes. And so the brain is also getting ready during pregnancy, right? It's not just your body. It is your entire body, including your brain 
starts to get ready for this. And so if you are not the the mom or the pregnant parent, what does that mean as a as a partner, as a non-gestational parent? So fathers also and, and caregivers, um, same-sex couples as well, they experience brain changes as well. The the one the studies done with pregnant women also look at fathers and obviously they don't go to pregnancy. So their brain changes are not like <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah. So but they, they start to look at the the, the brain changes, if there were any brain changes in fathers. And what they saw is that they started very, very early, like doing early postpartum, fathers also show uh, brain changes. So for if you're pregnant, your your body and brain are getting ready during pregnancy. And if you're not the pregnant parent, then it's, it's happening very early in postpartum once baby is here. Is that right? Yes. yes. That's so cool. Besides the sort of hormonal physical prep that happens when you're pregnant for for all parents what supports that optimal you know brain development as a new parent what kind of things are need to be in place to support that so well I don't know if you remember I did a a parental brain summit and so it was amazing yes (laughs) yeah and so I brought a lot of speakers that support um that support uh, teach professionals right so that they can support parents and pretty much like everybody was saying we need the parents need community the parents need the village the parents need community the parents need social relations and I think that's a very very important thing the, the one of the baseline baseline things that we need so that the parental brain can can thrive and from there, because you are being taken care of, then that that impacts your your mental health, and you are ready to to, to you are not giving from an empty space. You're not in from an empty place. I mean, because one of the networks that becomes really malleable is the empathy network, right, in the parental brain. And so the empathy network is there, ready to learn about the baby, about the baby's cues, about really everything about the baby. But that's very hard to do, even with all the plasticity that your brain has. It's very hard to do if your nervous system is dysregulated. And so we parent in isolation. And that's one source of nervous system dysregulation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I, <laughs> yeah. And so I think like a lot of professionals that support parents are seeing this. And you, you hear this message of like, we need the village because... Mm-hmm. Then you are, you are taken care of. You are giving from a full cup. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then your empathy network is ready to learn. Otherwise, it's very, very hard. Yeah. So if we nurture parents, they are then more able to show up and nurture their baby, which in turn helps their brain develop Ex- capacity, right? Exactly. So yeah, it's all about nurturing. It's like you nurture the baby, but you need to be nurtured too. Like you must have heard also this message that the moms need exactly the same thing that the babies need as well, the same type of care. I love that because it fits in just what we know, thinking historically and cross-culturally, which is kind of my my realm um, with an anthropology background. Most cultures that are not modern Western cultures do nurture new parents and don't operate with this nuclear family mentality 
and, you know, do have these lovely support systems or did, you know, historically speaking. And so it makes sense when we dig into the neuroscience that that's actually what we need. And in many ways, like with many other things, modern culture isn't giving us that that support system or, you know, that we need to sort of thrive and, and have that optimal period. Absolutely. I think, yeah, we will be doing so much better if all of us had this opportunity, you know, to have a support system. So does, you know, I think about this with parents and um, especially in the U.S. where we have, you know, non-existent parental leave. And when it is existent, it does tend to be very lopsided, right? Moms have much more access to parental leave. It's changing, but moms still tend to have more access to parental leave than than dads. How does time spent with baby affect this process? Mm -hmm. And if you are forced to go back to work early, are there things that you can do to help help yourself with that nurture? Yeah, that's an excellent question, actually, because there is a study showing that for fathers, so because, you know, we mothers, we go through to, through pregnancy. So a lot of this parental brain power. So it's like we get a punch from the hormones, right? Mm -hmm. um, they don't have that as much. And so they really need to spend time with the baby, like a lot. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, oh, they don't have parental leave. <laughs> and they're not studies directly looking at what happens if the father goes to work. I don't know, but there are studies that look at what is the father's brain looking like, like what is his wiring, the, the wiring of his brain looking like. And um, the more hours uh, they spend with the baby, the more wired it is. So it's very worrying <laughs> when I think about these things. And when when I when I give my course to professionals or, or when I mentor parents I try to tell them is there any way like during early postpartum especially is there any way that both of you can take leave can you save can you do something like I know it's not possible for everybody mm. but I also have come across families that they can do it if they plan but they just don't know how important it is they need this information absolutely so correct me if I'm wrong you know, the more time a, a non-birthing parent, a dad is spending with their baby and in direct care, that's releasing a lot more oxytocin, right? Is that part of how the brain is getting so that in information? These, no, in the, the when I re, I'm re referring to this study, I don't think they look at oxytocin, mm. but I probably think it has a big, it plays a big role because, you know, if you're, when you're with the baby, then you do skin to skin, you release oxytocin. And we know that that's very related to how the parental brain works. So I would think that, yes, oxytocin does play a role. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you are having to go back to work, then really prioritizing both parents having as much time as you can around work schedules with with baby care and baby snuggles and, and all that would be really important, right? Yes, yes. So yeah, you asked me about what to do if you can. So when yeah, you are yeah. with your baby, like really be with your baby, try to carry your baby. And if the baby is very small, still in the in arm stage, then maybe do skin to skin, maybe set up an hour to do skin to skin, stuff like that. Yeah. Question that I didn't <laughs> um, run by you. How do you feel, and, and is there any research, and if you don't know, totally fine, but how do you feel 
lactation and, and nursing fits in with the whole adjustments that your brain is happening as a, as a nursing parent? Is there, are people looking at that? Yeah, though there is one study, although the sample is small, that they does show that the breastfeeding moms are more responsive and they look at their brains too. They were more active, I think. The activation was higher when they were looking at their babies inside the MRI scanner. I forgot exactly the, I share actually this in my study, but I haven't looked at the study for a while, so I forgot the details. But yes, they have looked at breastfeeding and parental brain. Although I, I again, I want to emphasize that is a small study. Yeah. And also, you know, this can bring like guilt. And so we, we always want to be careful when we talk about breastfeeding and all that. But what I always say is that you can feed your baby. You can breastfeed or you can bottle feed, but you can do it with love. You know, you can do it in a way that it releases oxytocin, even though you're not breastfeeding. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Bottle nursing. I like to call it sometimes, you know, where you what get. What do you call it? Bottle nursing, right? You kind of get nursing. I love that. <laughs> you, you get baby up against you and, you know, in a good pace bottle feeding position, but really snuggled in. If, you know, if you're at home, lift your shirt, get some skin to skin, like really get, get that same, I don't know, dynamic and touch and try to get as much of that sensory experience as possible. Absolutely. That's a big I'm piece of nursing. Now I'm going to be saying bottle nursing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's the milk and the milk's important. And there's like the different, you know, physiology of sucking between breast and bottle. But there's also just so much sensory interaction of, you know, a different dynamic with the feed. But you can totally replicate that piece with with bottles. Exactly. It's about the whole sensory experience of looking, touching, smelling, mom or dad or the caregiver, you know, is is the whole experience and this enriches the, the infant brain is like, is so, so important. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this and like, if someone has a difficult postpartum or has to go back to work early or something just not, they didn't have this information. Is there like a sensitive window for these brain changes? you know, relative to, to when the baby was born? Or is it is it really a, a broader sense of attuning and spending time to get the brain to, to do what it needs to do? So uh, Ruth Feldman, who is, uh, have you heard of Dr. Ruth Feldman? She's, um, I don't think so. Okay, so she's a neuroscientist that looks at the parental brain a lot. And she, uh, for example, studies something called bio-behavioral synchrony, which is when the, have you heard of the term? Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah. when um, baby and caregiver really get in synchrony and their biology gets synchronized as well as with their behavior as well. Mm-hmm. And she has looked at this. This is not directly parental brain activation, but it's part of the whole, you know, it's part of the of everything. The bio-behavioral synchrony is very important. And she has looked at this longitudinally and she talks about sensitive periods and she does say that there is a sensitive period for the development of biobehavioral synchrony during the first year of life. Okay, so we're not talking about like the first month, we're talking about maybe maybe the first year as far as really being able to tap into rewiring the brain in that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean probably I, from a, a related topic, right? I know the studies yeah. weren't looking exactly at that, but. Exactly. Like I wouldn't say it would rewiring the brain. I think the brain will like, 
always like a parental brain will require I mean we had we don't have all these studies that are like of course. Quite, <laughs> quite necessary but if you talk about bi-behavioral synchrony that's what she says that yes there is a sensitive period and no it's not like limited to early postpartum it's like uh, the whole first year that's fascinating it I feel like you know thinking about it in terms of brain wiring it's it's a little bit like um, we sometimes talk about with babies right we have that sensitive period of the first few years but it's not like you can't rewire, you know, later on. It's just when are we most receptive to rewiring or wiring for the first time in the case of an infant. Yes, exactly. So see, you're making a very good point here. We're talking sensitive periods, not critical period. When you say critical period, that means like you miss the window and you're done. No, no, we're talking here about getting the optimal window for things to happen. So if you miss that, it's still can happen it's just that and Ruth Feldman says this it, it will happen it's just that it might deviate from like a bit from what is like the optimal way you know what I mean yeah yeah so not surprisingly you know it sounds like what we really need more of is nurture right nurture for our littles but nurture for us so that we can nurture our littles in in that first year of parenting but also you know beyond for us all all to thrive Absolutely. Yeah. So thinking up back kind of over all the things that we've touched on, do you feel like there's anything else really important that you'd want parents listening to to keep in mind about supporting themselves in this sensitive period and supporting that um, parental brain rewiring? Yeah. Follow your baby, you know, look at your baby. He, your baby, he or she is going to tell you what they need. It's all about that. And then also, as we were saying, take care of yourself. Although, like, I hate to put it like the responsibility on the parent, right? I know. But unfortunately, like, it's like we have to, like, be proactive about, like, getting help and creating our village ourselves, unfortunately. But it's necessary. So, yeah. It's like, ideally, our cultures would be set up still so that it structurally is in place for us. But that's not the reality of where most people are at. And that's so unfortunate, you know, that that, that burden does rest on us as parents when it should be interwoven into our cultural systems. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, it's just how it is now. And, you know, we uh, with our work too, we hope to at least make a little bit of change towards yeah. that, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, parenting in a modern world is tough. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. Well, I absolutely love all of this information and I'm so excited about it. Sort of as we wrap up, any, any final thoughts you want to share and also tell, um, tell everyone where they can find you and your work. Yeah. So yeah, everybody just, just follow your baby, as I said, and also surround, surround yourself by people that make you feel good. Also, unfollow any parenting accounts that make you feel like crap. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I'm saying that all the time, right? Unfollow, unfollow. Don't engage. It's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I mean, I'm always, I'm talking to moms all the time. I'm always, I'm like, I'm for, I'm follow, I'm follow this person that yeah. like, I read so and so and I feel bad. No, 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 no. Go and follow. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. 
And so where you can find me, just go on my website, www.newbornparents.net. And, you know, I have a bunch of resources there for parents, for professionals too. I have a free masterclass uh, about the parental reign for professionals. And so now I'm giving some sleep support that might change though. But yeah, go check my website on my website, what I offer. And you also have a lot of awesome stuff on Instagram. I share your Instagram account with some of my clients um, when they're trying to think about learning more in this area and just feeling more confident. You know, me, I am not a huge social media person. I mean, I'm on there, obviously, but it's not like my zone of genius. So I always have my little, uh, who should you be following on Instagram list I share with clients when they need help with that unfollowing and refilling their social feeds with good information. So mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing that, Kim. You're welcome. Well, I'm so excited to have had this conversation. Thank you so much for joining. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode left you feeling more informed, confident, and encouraged on your sleep journey. And just a reminder before you go that nothing in this episode is individualized to your specific sleep situation, nor is it to be taken as medical advice. Take what resonates ignore what doesn't, and check with your healthcare provider about any medical concerns. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And take a moment to rate, review, or share an episode you love on social media. All of that helps parents just like you find me, this podcast, and this gentle and responsive sleep information. I'll see you next time.